Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie also from Quince. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. I'm Dori Shafrier. And are we experts? No, no, we're not. We're just two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Serums. Welcome back to Los Angeles, Dory. Thank you, Kate. You were in Disney World. I sure was. How was that for you? It was fun. <laughs> touch of hesitation you know it's interesting um kate as you know my husband and i have been trying to have kids for like two years yeah there's a lot of kids at disney world and we both had a similar revelation after seeing like the 20th kid get yelled at by their parents or like throw a tantrum and we were like you know what we should just try to enjoy this period Oh, wow. I thought you were going to say, like, seeing all these families was hard. I, that's such an awesome revelation. Yeah, it was interesting. Like, we were like, you know, kids are a pain in the ass sometimes. They like, are. they're great. We want them, obviously. Yes, uh, totally. But, like, they're a lot of fucking work. 
And we should just appreciate this time where we don't have this responsibility and just try to like enjoy our lives. I I love that revelation so much. And I think it's really powerful for anybody who's going through the experience of trying to get pregnant and have children, whether it's through IVF, whether it's through old peen in the vagina what do you sure. what do you call the old standard just a p and v p and v that's yeah. the doctor's choice yep. of calling it mm-hmm. um or any any way that you're trying to have kids yeah. adoption fostering turkey baster <laughs> that, I, mean, I know that is the the way the way yeah. it works craigslist craigslist i think it's important to not even just having kids like remembering that anytime yes just let's instead of stressing out about the future just yes. enjoying that moment dory yes. what a impressive revelation yeah so you know i think it it was because i don't it's so easy to let infertility like take over your life and i think there have been times in the last couple of years where i've definitely felt like it was taking over my life it still kind of feels like it's taking over my life but it's also like we've basically been dealing with this for almost the entire time we've been married wow and it's like is that what i want to look back on our first couple years of marriage it's just like oh all we did was think about IVF yeah you know yeah and so I'm trying to just be like all right I don't have kids so like I'm in a party yeah you're gonna be out till 4 a.m every (laughs) night yeah um no but I am gonna be like okay I don't have kids I can like do some shit that I might not have been able to do if I did have kids right now um and you know hopefully that will also mean like volunteering and doing things that aren't just about me yeah um which I think will also like help just in general um help the world but also help me um so that was like that was that was my biggest takeaway from Disney World. That's an, awesome. an unexpected but welcome takeaway. I love that you both. How did you guys reveal that to each other? Well, Matt turned to me and was like, like again after we had seen some, you know, some child screaming or oh, yes. whatever. I've been there. Um he was like, Do you ever like it's like are you ever like thank like I forget exactly how we phrase it. It wasn't like thankful, but it's like it's kind of nice not to have kids, right? Like it's kind of nice not to be here with kids. <laughs> um, and I was like, like I was looking around, and I was like, God, it's like some not everyone, but some of these parents look like pretty miserable and like overwhelmed. And I was like, okay, we're just gonna go on Pirates of the Caribbean and chill out. So great. Um. So. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully, knock on wood, we will get to the point where we are also like getting really annoyed with our kids. Like I would like to be in a place where I'm annoyed with my children because I have them. But since we're not there yet, I just feel like, okay, just going to live, live my life. (sighs) That is one Zen Disney World experience. (laughs) I mean... You know, I think uh, we were also there one day too many. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but the last the last day was it, it suddenly got like twice as crowded as it had been. And we were, and it was also like hotter and more humid. And we were just like, what is happening? Um, but overall, it was fun. And also, I kind of had a fun time. Um, we decided that 
we're going to go, my brother, sister, my brother and sister who, um, my brother has two kids. My sister is about to have her second kid. And we've decided that next spring break, we're all going to go on a big family vacation. And so it was kind of fun to walk around. Like I kept texting my sister and being like, we're at Animal Kingdom. I think Maddie's going to love it. And And will the family vacation be to Disney World? Yes, yes, yes. The family vacation will be to Disney World. And I kept being like, like, we were walking around and, you know, being like, oh, Sam, like Sam, my nephew, like, he's going to love this and we got to do this. So it's sort of fun to think about like planning that trip and seeing it like through their eyes, because that is the joy of Disney when you have kids, like the joy of. I cry every time I take my kids, like not out of misery. No, totally. Like my, we had a very intimate moment with Minnie Mouse at Disneyland last week and I was just weirdly weeping. But it is, that's, that is very, although it's magical just as a grown up. It I is. enjoy it alone. Oh, you and Matt. Matt also <laughs> enjoys it alone. I love Disneyland. That's so funny. Um, yeah, you know, we had breakfast at Chef Mickey's. Oh, yes. So, you know, Mickey cooked for us. Wow, you guys are living your best life, yeah, as Oprah would really say. we really are. Um, yeah, so how was your week while I was off cavorting with... Mine was different than yours. <laughs> Go um, on. I have been... Dory, here's something I've come to learn about my anxiety. Oh. It, and I've learned it numerous times and then I always forget. Is it it's 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 like a chronic illness in that it flares up mm. and then it will flare down. Yep. And I'm in a flare up right now. Mm. And uh this has been how it is my whole life, but really got really bad in that toward the end of college. And I have made some positive choices. Well, one, I just, I, the biggest one is that I called, I got a good psychiatrist recommendation oh and I called them Yay. and I made an appointment. Oh, good. So I'm very excited to be going to meet with a psychiatrist because I have been on different anti-anxiety medications before, but it's always been kind of through my general uh, practitioner. And I really want to like thoughtfully yes. approach um, kind of getting the help I need. I love that. So I feel, and it's uh when I have gone to a psychiatrist in the past, it's never really been a positive experience. It's always yeah. felt very cold and quick. And so I'm hopeful that this person who I was um, referred to will be really, will be great. Were you referred by a friend? By numerous women. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. That seems like, like it seems yeah, very that exciting. seems very promising. Um, so that was my big step was kind of like trying to talk myself down off the anxiety ledge I've been on for for a while, actually. You, was there something that precipitated it? Um, it's related to my health. I have a lot of anxiety related to my health. I think that is kind of a lasting impact of my mom dying. Yeah. I've always been really anxious about my health. And uh, I also lost a friend a couple of years ago and to cancer in a very kind of sudden and um, unexpected I mean, obviously, it's almost it's always sudden and un- well, yeah. not always sudden, but it's always very unexpected. But um, those t- it, it's just I've always my anxiety and my o- obsessive thoughts always often circle back to like, I'm dying. I'm si- this one thing is is right. Um, a very big illness. And so I'm in that pattern right now. Uh, and it's not fun. No, no that sounds bad. Really, uh, it's really struck. And then the other challenging thing I feel about anxiety is that when you talk about it with people, anxiety is not rational. Yeah. So I always feel like I sound 
off my rocker mm. when I'm describing what I'm anxious about. Right. Because any person who's in a stable state of mind would just be like, oh, it, that doesn't sound like a big deal. Why don't you just call your doctor and blah, blah, blah. But when your anxious thoughts are firing, it's oh, it's very it's – it's hard to explain how debilitating anxiety can be. Yeah. Because it, it sounds like explaining a dream to somebody. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it only makes sense to you. Yes. So – that's where I'm at. That's great. Mental health wise. But I'm excited to get some help. I'm also like kind of dab- redabbling and going back to therapy mm. and just trying to find somebody, um, which also makes me feel excited. And then also just trying to remember what my best practices are for keeping myself like knowing what makes the anxiety worse, which is like not sleeping. Yeah. Caffeine. Yeah. New, you know, not news, but just. Uh, filling my brain with information. So it's not quite Disney World, but no, it's but a it... wild ride. <laughs> uh, it sounds like another, but like a good revelation. I, the relief I felt after just making the appointment with a psychiatrist was such a like, I did it. And then I will eventually address like the health thing that's making me spiral. I will go to my doctor. Um, so that feels good. That like That's calms awesome. me down. Yes. And I have like a lovely people who are very, who I feel like I can talk to about it, which is also very helpful. I think it can be such an isolating experience yeah. and having people who also experience something similar is very helpful. So if you don't have that, let me be that person for you. Oh, listeners. Thank you. And you, Dory. <laughs> thank you, Kate. And you, Sammy. Anybody in this booth. Just hit us up. I gotcha. Yeah. <sighs> well, and speaking of, if you do want to reach out about yes. anxiety, <laughs> you can call our voicemail, 781-591-0390. Yeah, just, just leave us a voicemail and we might play it on a mini episode. Yes. Yes. We've been getting so many wonderful ones. So thank you, everybody who's yeah. called in. Um, you can also email us, though, at forever35podcast at gmail.com. And we might read your email on a mini episode. But you should know that we do read all of the emails and we take them into consideration when we are putting together the show. Yes. So thank you for all of your product recommendations and questions. And it's just, just it's great to hear from all of you. General reaching out is yeah, really awesome. We love it. Um, but you can also join our Facebook group. Listen. Listen. There is now a Forever 35 parenting subgroup. How is that? It's awesome. I joined it for two seconds so I could put it in the like recommended groups from our main group. And then I left. (laughs) It's great. It's really supportive. And um, the conversations are really interesting. It's great. That makes me so happy. Uh, Not to be confused with the My Favorite Murder Forever 35 crossover spinoff. I haven't joined that group yet, but I got to get in there. Oh, I'm in it. I am a My Favorite Murder fan. Yeah. Um, You know, people talk about like... What are the what are true crime podcasts you listen to? And, you know, that's all kinds of other things. I went to start one last night. My husband's out of town. And then I had to, like, turn it off immediately because it was it's about the Golden State Killer. Oh, And it was sure. like, how did this murderer break into California homes? And I was yeah. like, oh, nope, not ready for this. Yeah, I, I actually started reading. Um, I downloaded, like, the sample of that book. I'm very excited about that book. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm not really in the headspace right now where I can keep reading this book about a, a serial killer whose identity has never been solved, who cased people's homes. His favorite home was like two houses in from the corner. And I was like, oh, my, God. my house. Oh, no. 
<laughs> so yeah and it's california and it's california so i was like you know what i'm just not gonna read this right now um any way anyway just also a reminder that all of our products that we talk about on the podcast are mentioned on our website we put them on our website yes. forever35podcast.com um and you can also follow us on Instagram at Forever35Podcast, on Twitter at Forever35Pod. And if you didn't sign up for our newsletter yet, uh, sorry, you missed the April one. But <laughs> you always say <laughs> I mean, look, I'm just saying, like, you gotta you snooze, get in. you lose. Yeah, the giveaway was dope. The giveaway was amazing. And we have another one lined up for May already, FYI. So if you want to get in on that, plus everything else we put in the newsletter, which is awesome. Oh, and I have a new favorite product I want to talk about oh, in the newsletter. I can't wait. It's very affordable. Yeah, there's stuff that we put in the newsletter that we don't talk about on the podcast. Oh, so um, you can sign up at forever35podcast.com. Just click on mailing list and you will get signed up. <sighs> Okay. Yes. I have a little bit of uh, self-promotion to do right now. No. Typical. No, I'm joking. That's I great. You, I'm excited for your self-promotion. Well, so my paperback came out on Tuesday. Your paperback of your book, Startup. My paperback of my book, Startup a Novel by Dory Shafrir. So exciting. Thank you. I think what's, what's I didn't realize in the book world is that when you have a hardcover book, that comes out first and then a year later, a year the later. paperback comes. I thought they all kind of came out at the same time. Yeah, no, no. It's like when a movie comes out in the theater and then it's on DVD. Yeah. So now people can get your book in a whole new form. Correct. And, you know, I know a lot of people don't buy hardcovers. A, they're expensive. B, they're heavy. Like, it's hard to get on the subway with a hardcover. It's true. I mean, let's be honest. So I love that it's out in paperback now. Me too. Um, and so we were thinking in honor of this momentous occasion, <laughs> big deal, um, we would talk a little bit about how both of us wrote our books. Yes, because what listeners might not know is that before we were a podcasting team, <laughs> we were a tiny writing team. Yeah, a two person writing group. Yeah. How did we come to that? Um, I, you know, well, OK, so. First of all, I think we have mentioned that we met on Tumblr. Yes, in we met on the internet. Like nine, eight, eight or so. But um, I let's be clear. I was a fan of your work. I read Gawker religiously. You were essentially a celebrity, an internet celebrity. I was a micro, 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 mini, micro celebrity in a very specific corner of the New York media world. Yes, but for <laughs> me, who was hanging on over there, it was very exciting that you existed on oh, Tumblr and then to you. become your real life friend has just been such a blessing. Um, well, I always loved your writing oh, too. Look at this. Yeah. So this is just a mutual admiration <laughs> society. <laughs> this is going to be a very self flagell No. Flagellating? I was going to say self-flagellating, but yeah. that no, means self-farting. No, well, flatulating means farting. Flagellating oh, no. means like we're beating ourselves up. And then what I was think I was trying to say is self-filating. Self-filating. But that's yeah. fine. Autofillating? Something dirty. Yeah. Something sexy and nasty. Um, <laughs> this is not that kind of podcast. No. Um, no, but then we both moved to L.A. You moved to L.A. before me. Yeah, because of my husband's career. Right. And I was able to keep doing my full-time job from New York at the office here in L.A. Yeah, and then I moved here, I think, about a year after you moved mm -hmm, here. About that. And I remember we met at a bar. Yeah. And you were very pregnant, I oh, think. Oh, was I? I think. 
I think you were pregnant. I was pregnant in 2012, which might have been when we met. Or or maybe you had just had <laughs> your second I was year. either I don't birthing remember. or about yeah. to birth. Because well, I moved here in the spring of 2013. I want to. Oh, okay. So if you moved here in spring 2013, I had just had my second child. Okay, so you just had your second child, and I was back on the drinking train. Oh yeah, yeah. That okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. Yes. Um, I just remember like really hitting it off and being like, it's so fun that like this person who I've known on the internet for so long, like maybe we can actually be IRL friends. Yeah, and then we did it, and then we did it, and then the writing group happened. I don't even really remember. Like, had we been talking about working on stuff? Yes. And I think maybe it had come up in on Facebook and maybe in, in one of the writing Facebook groups we oh, were in or something. Okay. And we would you would just reach out and be like, let's let's meet. I have an idea for a novel. And I was really like my dream was just to write this book about having a dead mom yeah i knew i wanted to do it i knew the sec before my mom even died it was something i wanted to do yeah and but i had nothing right i had zero content i just had a dead mom yeah and so we i think we ended up meeting about once a month yeah we would share we we basically did like a writing workshop with each other like we would send each other pages and then we would bring the pages to our meetings we often we I feel like we met a few times at that weird coffee shop that doesn't exist anymore. Um, the like Clockwork Orange esque coffee shop on La Brea. Oh yes. Graffiti the all white with one. The, with the crazy rules. Yeah, and they had like seven dollar flat whites. Yes. That were like one ounce. Yeah. And they were like they were basically like, if you bring any of your own food or drink in here, you'll be banned for life. Um they are now a sweet green. Good. I'll have you know. Good. Um yeah, and I just remember first of all it was I I found your feedback so helpful. Wow, which I don't have a lot of confidence. So I do remember you telling me that and I was like, "She's lying." No. I was not lying. Um your feedback was really helpful. I feel like you really helped me like figure out the story mm-hmm. and figure out the characters. And I think my biggest revelation about the characters was because of something you said um initially i had had another character named abby oh, remember abby i do i related to her so i much. know she was very relatable but i remember you saying to me both abby and this other character sabrina you're like they seem really similar like they're, they're both kind of passive and unhappy with their lives and like you just you you pointed out that they were essentially the same person just like seven or eight years apart and i was like oh my god they're the same person yeah that was a smart move that you made in your book and i combined them yeah it was really it made everything so much better and it was like everything just clicked and it was because of what you had said you made the decision yeah but like i don't think i would have gotten there if it hadn't been for you you also devastated me because one of the original characters from the book who was like kind of the main focus for a long time is not yeah he's not really in your story that much he's really a side character now which is just so interesting i feel like what i learned so much and working with you is the process of writing um, is a pro like it's not you don't start with a final product. Totally. It's, and I had no I thought I would just like make this polished thing right off the bat. Yeah. And instead, it's like garb. It's like a puzzle. You just totally. piece everything together. And it, that was um, a really good learning experience. For me. I mean, I remember with your stuff, oh boy. like you 
Well, you were writing nonfiction, so you didn't have to have a full product, but you had to have something. um, And you had to have like a sense of what the whole book would look like, which is a kind of a challenge. Yeah. So I had to, when we were meeting, I was working on a book proposal, which I then, that was what then I used to sell my book to publishers with the my agent doing yeah but it's you not also me doing it. didn't you also use it to get your agent yes i mean my um i came to my agent kind of in an alternative way in that like she and i had a relationship before a per- like working together we are g- pretty good friends um how had you met well dory i met my agent at a comic-con party because she represents women that i met through the twilight fandom community <gasps> I never heard this you story. No. And then we discovered that we lived two blocks away and we were like, let's get coffee. Oh my god. And gosh. then she knew I was a writer and I would and she was always very open, like, whenever you have a thing, bring it to me and let's talk. Wait, so. I never knew this. I always knew that sh- you knew her. No. But I never knew that you met her in this amazing fashion. At a party at Comic Con. Yeah. Um, sidebar, I meant to tell I actually meant to snap a picture, but I was driving. I saw someone with a license plate frame. Yesterday that said, I drive like a Cullen. Maybe. Was it a Volvo that they were driving? It was a BMW. Interesting choice because (laughs) Edward drives a Volvo. I don't remember what the other Cullens drive. That's interesting. I drive like a Cullen. I know. I was like, what does this mean? He drove very fast but safe. Oh. He was always playing a French classical composer, Claire de Lune. He would always play Claire de Lune in the car. Okay. But I was like, wait a second. I know what this means. (laughs) I'll have you know, Sammy is laughing at me. Sammy, did you not know I'm a Twilight fan? Oh, boy. That's a whole other podcast I need to start. Um, yes, that's how I met. That's how I met my agent. But I didn't have anything to show for many years. And one thing that was very helpful that you did was I was writing these like very weepy, emotional pieces. And you were like, this is lovely. But what is it? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, what is this book? I can't just write a book that's just in 15 chapters of sadness. Right. So I actually, that really helped me figure out how to structure the book I wanted to write. Oh, good. Yeah. So thanks forever for that. You're so welcome. I mean, I just remember thinking you nailed the tone so well. Mm, thank you. Yeah. And for those of you who have not read Kate's book, um, even if you don't have a dead mom, you don't have to, have you don't one. have to have a dead mom. Um, I don't have a dead mom. No, thank God. Um, and I loved your book. Thank you. You're welcome. It's, there's some very, it's some funny parts. It's fairly funny. Overall. It is funny. Yeah. Like I, I remember the, the, the anecdote that always sticks out the most to me is the dog groomer. Mm, it's yeah. so perfect. That was hard. I yeah. wrote a whole, one of the first chapters I wrote is how I had to tell the people in my mom's life that she had died. And like, first you do the friends and the family, but then you have to do like the mechanic and like the mailman and all these people who knew my mom very intimately. Yeah. And your mom had lived in the same town for many years. Yes. And and she was a very kind person who really took the time to get to know people. So when I told the dog groomer, the dog groomer started crying and and you had, didn't you have the I dog? I had with my you? dog. The dog was a monster, like a growling <laughs> shithead, this dog that we had. So I was like handing him over. She was crying. She held my hand. I, uh, there was just, we were in the dog grooming world. So there's just dogs being groomed everywhere. And then I accidentally like bumped into a thing of collars. And it was just, it was so awkward. And it's so draining having to, um, there's this weird thing that happens when you, you've lost somebody where you have to suddenly, 
be the support system for yeah. the people who are just finding out. Yeah. And, and you should do it over yes. and over and over again. Yeah. And it's a really weird and an unexpected position to be in. And I'm sure people listening have experienced that. And it and it also can be hilarious. Like it also can just right. open yourself up to very bizarre moments with other people. Totally. But very human. Very human. Yeah. So too. I thought you just did that so Thank you. Well, I, I will say also, I feel like one thing that, and, and this may only be interesting to two people, I don't know how many people who are interested in creative careers or whatever, but one thing looking back is how long it took, like how yeah. long you're just writing these like drafts of things that we hadn't, you know, before we had actually sold that turned them into books and sold them. Yeah. Um, we're just meeting and writing and just and there's so much revising and shaping and changing that goes into um, what you write. And also, I'm assuming that's the same for any art form and totally. any kind of work that people do. And that was really eye opening to me. I think that's a really good point, um, especially now as I look back, I sold my book based on 100 pages and an outline. And then my book was due like seven months later. And it pretty much changed. It radically changed, yeah. um, even in those seven months. And I think you do just need to give yourself some time to sort of like marinate <laughs> in your in your book. And I think especially like for me as someone who has been working on the internet for so long, Same. we're so used to the instant gratification of the internet and writing on the internet and. Like, yes, it's a grind and it takes so much out of you. But there's also you do get that instant gratification. Like when you're working on something, it goes up the next yeah. day and or that day. And I mean, sometimes I would be writing because I also was an Internet writer for yeah. VH1 and now I still do. But we would be writing 10 blog posts a day. Yeah. You know, like individually. So you just are constantly churning up content. Yeah. And this was a totally different experience. Totally different. And there was definitely a part of me that felt like I had something to prove Interesting. in terms of like, well, look, I can finish. You proved it, I think. Oh, I fucking proved it. <laughs> um, no, just this like, I'm not, I can write, I can write like a longer, bigger project um, because it's, it's a completely different mindset. I'm not saying one is better than the other. It just was like, this wasn't something I'd done before. Yeah. And I was like, I want to fucking do it. Um, yeah. What advice would you give? Oh, someone? I was just going to ask you that. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I asked you first. So you okay. have to answer. Advice for someone who wanted to write a book or just even just wants to be, be a writer or pursue writing as a professional career or. I was going to, I was actually interested about what advice you would give someone who wants to find a writing partner oh. and be in the sort of like writing group like what are what what do you think like our best practices were well you and I are unique because we we had we knew each other in real life and decided to kind of pair off but I do think there are some really great um places online mm. where crit groups form mm -hmm. that are really positive experiences for people um whether it's different writing organizations or sometimes they're even like agents who kind of Oh, that's cool. Um, or I can't. And again, I'll I'll look for the specifics because I'm pulling this off the top of my head. But um, there are definitely ways to meet people. When my mom was sick, I lived at home for about nine months, and I uh, wasn't. It's a long story. Yeah. I was working on the weekends and then at home in Boston with my mom, and I took a writing class on Gotham Writers Workshop. 
And that was really helpful because I met other people and I also got feedback from a professional mm. writing instructor and it was very helpful. Um, so I think, or just like find someone, if you, there's someone in your life, like I was actually very nervous to, to work with you because I, again, it's my own confidence level. I was like, this is embarrassing to have to show somebody the like shit writing I'm doing, right? Like I'm not showing you the finished product. I was showing you really embarrassing, not well-written things. And it was really helpful to make myself vulnerable in that way. Mm. Because I, you got more, I got same. more comfortable doing it. And I think that's so, such an important part of like life in general. Yeah. Just being like, oh, I'm going to reveal the like not perfectly curated part of me. And that's... Yep. um that was really, I'm glad I did it, but I was scared. And I've like turned people away who want to share writing because I'm so embarrassed by what I'm working on. Oh. I got to, I'm working on this side of myself, but anyway, it's, it's vulnerable. Yeah. It's really know? vulnerable. Um, what advice would you give if someone is like, I want to write a book? How do you, cause that seems like such a daunting, almost mythical thing to do. And yeah, and it is hard. It is hard. Um, what would be like, the basic first three things you would tell somebody to do? Um, I would say make sure you know the story that you want to tell, Ooh. whether it's a fiction or nonfiction book. Um, two, I would say make sure that this is something that you're willing to live with for the next two, three, four, five years. Yeah. Um, books are very long term endeavor um and three yeah I mean I think what you just said like know that you're gonna have to be really vulnerable and that's really hard and like you might work on something for a really long time and it, and it might not get published and you have to be okay with that have you is there a, a book or something that you've read that really you come back to as a writer or you, that you love that inspired you Oh, good question. Uh, <laughs> there might not be anything. In terms of like process or, or just... I just know like for me, yeah. I read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh, yeah. And it was, and at first I was like, I roll, like this is going to be cheesy. Yeah. And then I read it and it was so meaningful and so yeah. helpful. You and you recommended that to me, I, I remember. I loved it. I thought it was really good too. And it's that book is a lot about vulnerability. Yes. And it's a good book about it applies to anything. Yeah. I felt like it was just good life advice. Yeah. That's a really that that's a really good point. Yeah. But I don't know if there's any I mean Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott's but, yeah, also a good people, one. But people like that one. Yeah, but that Elizabeth Gilbert book just rocked me. Yeah, I feel like that book is is like actionable. Like she gives you things that you can actually do. Yeah, it's like a good pep talk. Yeah, totally. So if you're if you're a person who's like lingering in your creativity and you want to kind of do more. Yeah. Check that book out. Have you listened to her podcast? I do listen to it. It's lovely. I haven't listened, but it seems like it would be great. I also love uh, if we're recommending podcasts with writers. Dear Sugar. Oh, sure. With old Cheryl Strayed. Old Cheryl. Love her. Cheryl, come on the pod. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Consider this an open invitation. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> you too, Liz Gilbert. You know what? Anyone. Any, all are welcome here. Any best-selling author. <laughs> Come on. Whose books have made me cry. Yeah. Um, well, I'm just really glad that we did that. I am too. And then what happened was, from writing those books together, we were like, we get along. Yeah. Should we make other things? <laughs> and then here we are. And here we are. 
doing a podcast and still writing and still still updating a website writing and still working on our own projects yeah oh more on that later oh my god mine is a mess (laughs) well you know we've had other stuff going on that's true i've had anxiety um should we pause for a word from our sponsor yes let's great Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak, I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get or, into okay, it. Do you want to tell me why? No, no. I was just <laughs> gonna say, like, I I I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh God, like get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. Once you once you start wearing honey love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it could like, be. Yes. Also like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday 
lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm I hearing mean, those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or, or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Oh, so our guest this week is Shadi Petoskey. We're speaking of creative, oh inspirational people. Gosh, you guys are going to love this conversation. Here's Shadi. 
So today we are thrilled to welcome Shadi Batoski to the podcast. Hi. Hi, Shadi. Hi. Um, I'm just going to read your bio real quick so everyone knows who you are. Um, Shadi is a writer and owns the production company Puny with Chris Hardwick. She was co-creator and showrunner of Danger and Eggs on Amazon and is currently executive producer for 12 Forever on Netflix. Yeah, that's a bio. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Um, so... We were just talking before we uh, started recording about organization and calendars and stuff. Yeah. And the reason we were talking about that is because you invited me on this podcast and I completely missed it. And you waited yeah. here and I didn't come. We did, but we ended up recording a couple other episodes. Okay, good. Um, but we were like, I hope, every-. like it got to the point where we were like, I hope everything's okay. Yeah. Um, so. No, it was fine. I just... Um, because we had changed the date. Yes. And, and the um, time. Yeah. The time. Yeah. yeah. And I just, um, wait, is that the how it got screwed up the first time? Yeah. Yeah. We changed what, the time. Yeah. That was it. And then I was just telling you that like, I have to, I, that doesn't happen to me. Yeah. Because I'm so terrible that I've gotten good at making sure that everything's in my calendar. Yeah. And it has to be very detailed. Right. Because I was talking about how like. I'll have somebody will come in and do a pitch and something or something and I won't remember who they are or how they yeah. contacted me. It's really problematic. I I struggle with the same thing. I have three calendars that I have to that I keep so that it's always in my brain. Because mm-hmm. if something isn't if I don't immediately put it into that Google calendar, I it's lost yeah. to, to me. It, yeah. it doesn't it exist disappears. anymore. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I really st- I struggle with that. So deeply. I mm-hmm. think I have my whole life. I'm just curious how did did you as you started to advance career wise, like what was it that really made you have to sit down and be like, this is how I have to operate in order to stay on top yeah, of my just life. dropping the ball a yeah. lot. Yeah. And when it, I the show running is definitely a school a, a moment that teaches you how to do a lot with yeah. very little time. But then, but I had an assistant then, so I don't have an assistant now. And I, when I made the conscious choice not to hire another assistant, because when I have an assistant, I tend to like really slough off. Right. And it's like, oh, they're going to take care of everything. I'm going to stay home today. Totally. So it's almost like it's such, they become such a crutch and it's kind of really actually unfair on them because it's like, I just want them to do everything for me. So, um, and just be taken care of. Uh, So... I don't have an assistant, which means I have to do all this stuff myself. But it's it's just learning and dropping the ball and being embarrassed enough times to <laughs> not want that to happen anymore. And um, but then now it happened on this <laughs> for this podcast. But, but again, yeah, it was I didn't change the calendar, but it was in there. But like, yeah, I have to put everything in there, everything. If there's a you know pick up drugs, uh, go grocery shopping. Are you? Um, is your schedule? Like plot it out from the time you yeah, wake up to the time yeah, you go to it's sleep. Yeah, nonstop and sometimes overlapping, and I have to make choices on the fly. So. Ooh, that's hard. Yeah. Um, sorry, I, I didn't. Mean, I didn't mean to, to cut you <gasps> no, off. No, no, no. Um, go, go on. You're like so bored. <laughs> well, no, no. Oh I'm not yeah, bored at back all. to back. Oh gosh, no, another no, busy person. Shoes. Well, uh, yeah. can I backtrack a little bit because show running is a thing that yeah. we talk about in. Los Angeles, everybody, for the most part, is connected to the entertainment industry and knows what a showrunner does. But before I got out here, I didn't know. Could you kind of give us, tell describe what that means in terms of what your job is, but also kind of how you touch everything through the creative process? Yeah. Yeah. In, uh, in TV, it's basically, 
how you might think of a director in films, although we have directors as well, but they're directors for particular episodes. So you're just, you're overseeing everything and you're really in charge of the writing primarily in TV, but um, you're approving, I work in animated shows, so it's approving every design and making sure that um, we have the right people hired and I, and just delegating to different departments and um but it, you're 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 ultimately responsible for like the quality of the show and uh you're running it you're doing it it's hard to describe it's like show running just, it's it's like being a ceo of a of a production so it's like you you have this business that pops out of nothing you you know one day you're pitching right. and the next day you're running a multi-million dollar company yeah. with 200 people oh working on something so it's just this you you know and you have a managers and middle managers and producers and all kinds of people helping you out but you you're ultimately responsible you're at the top of the pyramid exactly and so what's interesting to me is that not only are you then in charge of your own kind of care and well-being during this really stressful process but then all these other people i mean is that something that you consider reliant on you oh yeah no it's very stressful uh you um we hired a coach, Dr. Lois Frankel, who wrote, like, um, Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office and stuff. So she was kind of a career coach. I increased therapy to three days a week. Um, yeah, you just have to really take care of yourself and make sure that you're sleeping. And Because if you, you know, it's that thing, if you stay up late one night, then you're messed up the next day. So you just mm-hmm. have to be, it's just very regimented. And you have to create a support structure. And it's a difficult job because... It's so high pressure, but you have to look like you're handling it well at every at every turn. Ugh. And you can't really, you know, the, the team that you're leading, you have to be a leader and you have to make them want to achieve their best work. So you can't really complain to them or be stressed out. It's It's very difficult. You have to keep this face on and then you have to navigate dealing with the network and their needs and then the team's needs. But yeah, there'll be a, you know, sometimes you'll have an employee that's suicidal or going through some stuff Mm -hmm. and, you know, you need to be compassionate for them. But then also it's a lot of like hiring consultants and bringing somebody in that's like, oh, this is a person that like is a woman of color who knows how to, you know, is an expert at like navigating the workspace for women of color. So why don't you talk to this person and, you know, and, and see if you can navigate this difficulty that you're having right now or. Whatever the, you know, whatever the identity is or whatever the person is, it's like find the best person for them to talk to because it's not going to be me. And it's not going to be me when I'm running a show because I don't have time to like have compassion. (laughs) It's like a weird thing. Jill Solovey wrote in something. It's like I don't have time to say hello to people in the morning. Mm. You end up being very like laser focused and any amount of time just with even pleasantries feels like. You're eating up the clock. You live minute by minute almost. Oh, and also it makes just... Makes me want to curl up in the fetal position. <laughs> well, it's also like like you were saying, one day you're pitching and you're you're in charge of so many creative decisions and you're a creative person. And then all of a sudden you're expected to kind of be a manager mm-hmm. and running a company, like you said, of 200 people. And so it's it, to me it feels like two completely different skill sets that you have to do at once. Yes, for sure. It's so right brain and left brain at the same time. I, I think in typical TV pipelines, 
you learn as you grow. You know, you start as a writer's assistant, then you're a writer, then you're producing, then you're, you know, supervising, then you're story editing, and, like, you're working your way up to being a showrunner. But sometimes, like, for me, I never had that path. Right. Or, like, someone like Dan Harmon is known for that. Or there's people that get it. And sometimes, like, with Lena Dunham, you get a Jenny Connor, who's a more experienced person that's kind of helping you and guiding you and mentoring you. But... I didn't, sometimes you don't have that or you have conflicts with those people. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's really difficult. (laughs) I mean, but also super gratifying, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you, um, you mentioned that you upped your therapy when you were, uh, like when you're in a more intense work situation. And since we do talk a lot about people's self-care rituals, I'm just curious, what, what do you implement? Like how you know yourself, what do you kind of put out there to kind of keep you, functioning and and what self-care rituals do you have on a small level too like that you just kind of do every day yeah i think um it's uh i I meditate i don't do that every day mostly for me it's just it's self-care at the most basic like sort of mental illness level i suffer from anxiety and so i i have to just manage that so it's mostly about just like making sure i take my medicine at night Making sure, okay, this is when you shower. And I try not, I try to be as regimented as possible to not like let my impulses influence any decision making. So um, I started showering at night instead of in the morning just because it gave me like a little more time in the morning. Um, it just worked out that way, I think. Uh, but that was like a life t- lifestyle change. Um, uh, I started getting. I got bought a pillbox, you know, to like, Dory's like, like, a, like a, love a pillbox. You know, it's like, and then it's like, you just have to do that. Yeah. Um, there's certain things like I love, like a Sunday farmers market, cutting up vegetables, farmer lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't. I eat those vegetables. I'm kind of an compulsive overeater, so I'll eat those vegetables very quickly. So it's not like, oh, I planned out my meals for the week or any of that really super cool Um, getting things (laughs) ready. Uh I'm not that person. I ate out a lot. I spent a lot of money on food. I I did a lot of ordering. Um, Postmates made a lot of money off of me (laughs) during the show, like like three meals a day at restaurants. But the – but but I like that. I like cutting up vegetables. I like having that moment. So if I can give myself that moment, it's it's weird – that that'll be like maybe an hour, two hours or three hours, but it feels like it gave me like a week's worth of mm. rejuvenation. There's something about cutting vegetables in a farmer's sink that just like. Mm. You're in a Nancy Myers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a big one. So that's a big one. Um, uh, I also, I have this thing where like after I, you know, I've taken care of kids my whole life and I've always had a problem going to bed. So and, and kids do that too, right? And like, if you don't get the kids down at their bedtime, they turn into monsters. And I didn't realize that that was me too as an adult. Mm. And so now I'm just like, <laughs> it hasn't changed. And why don't we talk about that more? I need to go to sleep when I'm getting sleepy, yeah, like yeah. a child, right? Because if I like pass my little threshold, then I'm wired, and I think I'm a great writer, and I'm I think I'm so productive, <laughs> and I fire off the two you know page long emails that didn't need to go at all. Um, but no, you just kind of turn into the monster. So I'm I'm really conscious of that. Like if it's about like nine o'clock, I'll be like, I don't have a set bedtime. It's just like when I'm feeling tired, it's like this is it. Let's do it. You have to do it now because if you don't, um, Jekyll yeah and Hyde situation happens. Are you really? And that was, 
that was from watching kids. And it's like, oh, it's so physiological. I've never actually, I have two kids and I have, you're so right. And I like, they, they reach that point that if they're not in bed by a certain time, they transform. Mm -hmm. And I've never thought about that in terms of myself. But now that you're saying it, it's so true. We still, every human has that point where you pass it and it's like, well, the dark side's coming out because you're yeah. tired and you're not asleep yet. Yeah. And then you don't know why you can't go to bed Ugh. at 2 a.m. It's like, oh, why can't I calm myself down or why can't I go to bed? It's like, well, the kids can't either. Like, it's just you because you you made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, don't blame yourself. Um, I'm wondering if we can also talk about self-care in the context of activism. Um, because you are very vocal um, on Twitter and elsewhere um, about being a trans showrunner and being trans. And um, I'm wondering, like, how how you get gratification out of that, but also that's got to be pretty wearying. Yeah, well, you have to be vocal about being trans because someone always brings it up. (laughs) So that's, I mean, that's basically how it is. I'm sure, like, as, you know, women, you feel like, oh, oh, right, I'm a woman again and Mm -hmm. have to think about feminism and think Mm -hmm. about. So I think that that's, um, I I think that all trans people inadvertently become activists. Mm -hmm. And queer people I know are that way, too, just because it's like shit keeps happening and you have to like say stop making this shit happen so um i don't think of myself as an activist at all i just think of myself as somebody who like wants to wants things to be done a certain way it's almost like it's almost like i'm producing the world or something Uh like so like i had a big incident with the tsa that was like international news and uh, hillary clinton talked about it and congress wrote a letter and it changed policy at the tsa but to me it was just like no this shit is working wrong right let me let's discuss it let's like break this down like like as a producer you know so that's yeah. that's more how i guess i get activist yeah it's like this isn't right right this, you know this is like stuff's falling through the cracks let's um let's go back to the drawing board on some of this stuff we missed some information yeah so I think that's yeah I'm 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 less of an I've never thought about it in this way before but I'm less of an activist and more of like yeah. a producer around my own life and like an advocate for myself. Right. But by being an advocate for yourself, you're able to affect change. Sure. That, yeah. And that that's helps but others. That's what a producer does too, right? Like you you are you're thinking about the whole team and, yeah. and you're trying to figure out where something in the production pipeline could go better. So um I think that's why I end up being an advocate and also like you know as a storyteller you know how to tell a story a certain way not that i'm ever lying but it's just like you know you can be effective and 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 i have like influence it's just i'm in a position where like you know if certain people retweet like on the tsa thing it was tig nataro's account it wasn't even tig like retweeted it and then that Mm -hmm. the first articles that came out were like tig is saying this thing and then it became more and more about you know, all these other celebrities started doing it. So when you have like a little bit of like enough of that influence that that happens, now they're sick of it. Now nobody retweets me. <laughs> but also Twitter's <laughs> changed a lot even in the yeah, last two years. But has, um, but yeah, I feel, I don't know. I have a sense of justice. I want things to work well. I want us to all be, you know, feeling a little better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. You guys created a podcast about it. Yeah, so exactly. Must feel the same way. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like I've solved anything for myself, but I do feel like at least just talking about the ways in which we don't feel good and are trying to 
feel right is important. I don't know what I'm saying. I've had too much coffee. No, I think I think that's right. Um, but I I think also what you're saying also about being like kind of wanting things to be better for yourself and then by just by virtue of talking about it, it ends up being better for other people. Like yeah. I kind of feel that way about us too. Like, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm speak like, for me. I'm right. like, this is how I feel and how I'm doing things. And like, hopefully this will help you. But I, you know, when people ask us for specific advice about their situations, like I don't always feel no qualified to answer the, like I'm not a professional um I can barely produce my own life yeah <laughs> slash show run it but I like the thinking about I I, le- I love the idea of thinking like you are the producer of your life and your situation yeah and knowing how to run it and how you want it to go for yourself is really such a awesome way of looking at your own existence i think yeah i think that just happened so i don't know <laughs> let's let's work on that for a little while but i just i think that's a quality or that's a, a the type of person i've grew up being you know i like i had kind of a tough childhood and ended up with a lot more responsibility than a six or eight year old mm-hmm. should probably have so you know i'm just like trying to actually hardwick was really helpful. I don't know if you've read his self-help book, The Nerdist Way. I haven't read Did it. You? No. Um, it's so weird that he has a self-help book. Like, yeah. And I don't think he even talks about it, but it's great. And when you have um, like a nerdy focused brain, it just puts things in the context in a certain way. And it's been very helpful. So like I, for a long time, I was like, uh, oh, I'm too, like too much or too anal or too intense or too bossy or too whatever. But now... It's more like, oh, this is this is why I I've also been in therapy for like seven years, but like, um, you know, this is this is how my brain sort of works, and this is why I want this amount of control, and this is how I want to be taken care of, and this is why I'm mm. upset at certain people or certain situations, and um, and then it's and then if you put that spin on it, it's like, oh no, I'm producing instead of like I'm dominating, yeah, then uh, it feels better, yeah. That- <laughs> Um, I also, I was just reading um, this little bit about your show, Danger and Eggs, and how it was very healing for you to create it, which, by the way, my daughter loves it and calls it Bacon and Eggs, which Aww. made me, we were watching a bunch of it, and the other day she was like, can we watch more Bacon and Eggs? And I was Aww. like, what? And then I realized what she was talking about. <laughs> how old is she? She's five. I have five okay. and a seven-year-old, but it was the five-year-old and I who were watching it. But I'm, I'm curious about finding healing in your work. I don't think everybody experiences that in their in their yeah. career path. And I just think that's gotta be a really interesting, gratifying experience, but also puts the stakes of what you're doing even higher when you feel when it's that significant to you. Yeah. I uh well, you just put some pressure on. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no pressure, no. but uh, pressure. Yeah, boy, the stakes are high. Um, I guess so. I don't know. Obviously, not everybody gets that gratification out of their work. But when you're doing creative work, that's kind of what you want, right? Like That's kind of – unless you're doing it for, like, a narcissistic way. (laughs) Which sometimes happens. Sure. And we all have a little bit of that. But I mean, like, a narcissistic way and, like, a narcissistic personality disordered way. Like, a really – like, just you're – you have such low self-worth that you're trying to fill it up with, um, you know, basically, like – getting narcissistic supply from praise and uh, and dominating other people and bringing them into your world. Um, if So if you're not doing that, 
I don't know. I can't imagine doing creative work in any other way. And I did a lot of marketing and advertising work. And even then, it was like, oh, trick cereal. And it's like, but what is this about? You know, like, <laughs> what, are we t- what are we really talking about? And I've been thinking about, I've been getting a lot of pitches. Um, we have a really good relationship with Netflix. And they told me to, like, go out and actually get shows to produce, which is not really what I've been doing before. Usually I'm, I either get client work where somebody's like, hey, can you make this for me? Or like on Yo Gabba Gabba, that's how it happened. Or it'll be, sorry, I have to breathe. <laughs> I've been eating too much. I'm at the fattest I've ever been. So this is maybe not the best time to do this podcast. <laughs> I've been eating uh, not well. Um, so, um, oh yeah. So, or or I just feel like in order for me to have a job as like a trans person, I have to create my job. And that's mm. kind of just been the way that my world has worked. So, um, uh, I, um, yeah, I had to stop to breathe because, um, I've been eating so much and I weigh like 280 pounds and like, it, I just, it caught me off guard now that I'm so winded just walking into a podcast studio and the fact that there's no windows in here is like overwhelming. Yeah. It's wild. Like it's, that's a weird, so let me just break down completely on your podcast. Honestly, Uh, that's what we do every week. (laughs) This is a, a, we're in a secret bunker, so it's a great place to break down. No, it's just weird that I'm like so winded um, from, from talking a little bit, but also I think maybe I'm trying to get, make my voice sound higher because I'm on a microphone. There's a lot going on in there. (laughs) But that's a hard, but. Oh, oh, you know what it is? Yeah. I'm such a mouth breather. I just remember uh, I'm such a mouth breather that I've been holding my breath to oh, not breathe into oh. the microphone and to breathe through my nose. Oh, you can breathe, mouth yeah. breathe in this podcast, but we yeah. can all take a moment to yeah. just like every time I take a video, it's like <sighs> I've had that experience also too, where you're where something happens with your body and it catches you off guard and then you're like, Oh God, what's going on? What's going on? Like you haven't yeah. even had time to process how you're physically feeling or existing in your body. And then you're just like, Whoa. Yeah. Well, we get to experience it live in the middle of your <laughs> podcast. No, it was, I was holding my breath to not be a heavy mic breather. Cause on other podcasts, that's been a problem. And I have a, a viral video from 2006 called drunk squirrel. You can Wait look on second. YouTube. Okay. It's got millions of views. It was one of the uh, very early viral videos. Um, but it was the squirrel got drunk in my yard. And as I was filming it, I was breathing so hard. And there are thousands of comments about like, you fat fuck. Like, why are you doing? Yeah, just oh thousands God. of like heavy breathing comments. So that made me like really nervous about Jesus, doing anything. You, you can't win when no. you exist in any way, uh, period. But also, no. on, I mean, just you can't win. No. Well, I love the internet for that reason, right? Like Twitter, you can just post whatever picture you want. You can be as little as you want to be, yeah. as cute as you want to be. <laughs> and it's just your words. You can delete it and edit it or, yeah. So um, I've I'm been trying to, to get out into the world more. That's hard. Yeah. Sitting across from you, I can't stop looking at your nails. Okay. <laughs> They're yeah. so great. And they're out of control. But they're not in in my brain. I've been like, oh, these nails. What's the story of the nails? What? How do they make you feel? So, Shadi's nails are beautifully done. I'm assuming they're gel. They're gel. It's gel, and it's some nail art, and there's some jewels and gold and gold leaf. This I got invited to Elton John's Oscar party. Oh yes, I saw that on Instagram. So, so I got really femme, and I went and got these nails done. This is not my life at all. I never do this on a daily basis. I don't wear makeup or like. 
I didn't care about my nails at all. Do you feel different going through the world with those nails? Oh, uh, not in general, but sometimes I get like a little glimpse and I'm like, <laughs> like, it's just like a nice thing. And of course, like, at you know, if I'm ever paying for anything, it's like, oh, those nails. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And you're like your hand linger a yeah. little bit. Or it's the opposite. Or it's like somebody will say Oh, those! Oh, I like your nails, and you'll be like, "Oh, I exist in the world. I'm not invisible. You see me." Like it's a weird. <laughs> all of a sudden, it's like, "No, no, no. We're just supposed to have like an interaction. I just want a breakfast burrito, and I want to go." But we're having this now. There's this intimacy involved that that I'm not right. transparent. Um, so that's the other problem. <laughs> I love <laughs> like them. The, yeah. Now, did you notice that I was just trying to hide them from you? No, I didn't. After I- yeah, I, I was just like, oh wait, yeah. No, they're bananas. It was like a fun. I mean, I wanted to get like super glam, but like a little bit funky. And uh, so I told her to just go nuts. So like every single one is different. You can look on my Instagram. Yeah, they're a little intense, but they're fun. How was it getting glammed up for something like Elton John's Oscar party? I feel like that's like peak level of glamming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. My friend's a makeup artist. I like. I went to the Critic- Critics' Choice Awards this year too. So like, this is a year of glam for me. There's been a few, like we've been award nominated for the show and stuff, and it's been like some really good, good glam times. And I'll I like on a daily basis. I don't wear makeup, and I'll just wear jeans and a whatever top, but. Like for those events, I get real fun. It's fun. It's there's something fun about it. Yeah, totally. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it. You, almost like you're becoming a not a character, but like a. It's a mask, right? Yeah. Like yeah. You get to like feel. Yeah, it's just confidence. It's like Halloween. You're and, in a costume. Yes, yeah. but I'm intrigued by people who that's a comfort a comfort space for them every day, because I like to. I enjoy feeling not invisible, but. You know, I'm I'm dressed like a like a child out of an '80s movie right now. I'm That's like true. Converse and Levi's <laughs> and a striped shirt. I look well, like you, I'm an ET. You so know yourself. That's amazing. I'm getting I'm getting there as I get older. I'm starting yeah. to kind of understand more what I what fits me, like what makes sense for me, and stop trying to force myself into. Story, what's your I fashion? Uh, I mean, I'm wearing a jumpsuit right now, so I think I'm also I think like school psychologist. Yeah, <laughs> I think a little like a little Matilda, like yeah. You know, it's funny you say Matilda because when people are like, "Who's your celebrity doppelganger?" People always say Mary Wilson is oh, mine. Oh, okay. So yeah, so that makes yeah. sense. Okay. Yeah. And um, I, w- I would say, Shani, right now, you to me are like executive in an advertising meeting. Oh is that no! Weird? You've got a cool shirt with a those. zipper. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like I would take business, like, creative business advice from you. I think of me as um, uh, nerd butch. Like, okay. it's like, like this is a little bit like sci-fi to me. That is sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like I'm just like a little bit of a sci-fi budge. Zippers kind of signify sci-fi for some reason to me. <laughs> to me, I'm still in a high-powered executive boardroom with a zipper. Oh, interesting. I don't know what planet I wow. live. All right. Yeah. That's you're why. you're in the 80s. <laughs> That's why I'm just a kid living in Oregon and yeah. an alien. It's everybody, just came everybody's just town. like exactly. mommy's work. Yep. Yeah, it's all mommy's work around. Oh boy, that's what I look like. I lost completely, lost a train of thought, and look at we're just we're surviving. Exactly. Um, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about Twelve Forever. Oh yeah, that show's going to be great. Now I remember what you asked me about, like <laughs> having meaning in your career. Oh work. yeah, that's right. So <laughs> I was I I've, I've been getting. Um, these pitches, and this sounds like a, a, a ripping on individual people. People who have pitched, you're doing great. 
But, you know, I'll read a lot of cold things. People will send me things. And um, there's almost never, like, a real point of view in it. It's always... It's so often just an imitation of a show. It's like, oh, it's like me and my friends. Or it's like these people are doing this. And there's never like, I know something. It's kind of like what you were saying. Like, I still don't have it figured out. But I think like, you do know something. And owning that you know something and then trying to present that perspective to the world is like the whole thing. It's like when I watch a television show, that's what I kind Mm -hmm. of want. You know, I I want the person to try an idea out on me like i'll love something like american gods because it's like you know that's happening or like this is us it's like there's a definite point of view they never let like some thread go it's like you do find out what jack said right and they go for it and they and they say it and it's like it's courageous and i feel so respected so i don't know i feel like that's just creative work you need to have you need to try to put what you know there and share and present it in a way that's not like preachy or as not you know as as not preachy as possible sometimes everything feels preachy if you're in that mood but uh, for 12 forever i think there's a really great point of view because it's um julie vickerman created the show and it's about this it's basically about her experience is this kind of you know not particularly femme i don't know if butch is the right term you know i don't want to like just boil it down to that but not a particularly femme um kind of queer-ish uh you'll have to watch the show to f- figure that out uh girl and um and she's 12 and puberty starting and mm. she's dealing with that and she doesn't really want to grow up which is a common theme in children's stuff but this is more like it's about her changing body and so she goes she wants to stay 12 forever and she oh. goes into this world this fantasy world where she can kind of do that. Um, But in this fantasy world, a manifestation of her fears, the manifestations of her fears kind of are the villains in the world. So there's this character called the butt witch, who's this (laughs) gorgeous, like voluptuous, hippie, breasty, um, witchy spider woman character uh, voiced by Matt Berry with the deep voice. And like, um, uh, and that, you know, represents, like, the growing fear of female bodies and not wanting to deal with puberty and that sort of stuff. And it's just really – it's oh, about wow. that. It's cool. It's going to be cool. It's really good. I'm so proud of it. When yeah, does I'm it come out? Do you know yet? 2019 sometime. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, Netflix. It's 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 so fun. They're doing such a good job. I'm, pro- I'm executive producing, so it's, like, a lot of times I'm just – fixing somebody's computer or, <laughs> or ordering paper. But like, um, uh, yeah, they're doing an awesome job. It looks really good. It's very funny and real and nice. Oh, I can't wait for oh, that. That sounds it's great. Yeah, it does sound yeah, great. Yeah, it's really great. It's going to be great. Oh, shoddy. This has been so great to have you. Yeah, really great. Are we done? I think, I think we yeah, are. We're Holy done. cow. Yeah. We didn't even talk about product. Oh, Fine. do you? No, I oh. didn't want to. I didn't bring anything. Great. Okay. Laura Mercier tinted moisturizer. That, <laughs> that's my only thing that I care about. I mean, pro- sometimes there are no products. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Sometimes yeah. we just don't have any. Yeah. yeah. But Laura Mercier tinted moisturizer is kind of a that beacon. Is, yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. It's like an icon product. Yeah. Totally. Everybody uses it and they should. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Okay. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older. 
and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay. I visible know. on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like creppiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Shadi was amazing and inspiring, and I wish I was visually artistic so I could, like, do animation. (laughs) Is that crazy? No, you know, it's not crazy. I feel that same urge all the time. All the creative things that I can barely do seem so cool and exciting and exhilarating. Yeah. (sighs) Kate. Yes. Last week, you were going to take an Epsom salt bath. And I said I was going to text you. Oh, my gosh. And I did. did. I know. It meant so much to me. And I have to tell you. So I did it. And then I was like, you know what? This is good for me. I'm going to do this every Sunday night. And I made a <gasps> list of intentions oh called this week's intentions. And I include, can I read the whole list yes, to you? Because this is kind of what I'm working on. Sunday bath. Every Sunday, I want to take a bath. Love it. I need to be in bed at 11 p.m. I That's ha- every night or just on Sunday? Every night. Okay. I haven't been doing that that well this week, but I'm working on it. Okay. Exercise four times a week. Okay. I'm 
up to two times so far this week. Great. I'm also making myself read before bed every night, which I know you do. Yes. Um, and can I give my current book recommendation? Please. I'm reading Stephanie Whittle's Wax's book, which is Everything is Horrible and Wonderful. Mm. And it's um, she calls it a tragic comedy memoir of genius, heroine, love and loss. It's about mm. her brother, Harris Whittles, who was an amazing comedian here in L.A. And it's and he died and he he died of a heroin overdose. And it's um, it's so funny. It's so sad. It's heartbreaking and beautiful, but it's also like a page turner. The way she has it organized, it just makes it really fun is the wrong word, but it kind of is. It's just a really engaging read and I'm loving it. So I highly I love that. I highly, highly recommend Stephanie's book. Yeah. That's so like I, I can't put it down, which is I don't always feel that yeah. way with a memoir, you know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm very invested. Um, oh, and then I have a couple and I have one more thing. Yeah. Leafy greens at a meal every day. Oh. Because my dad was visiting last week and I like prepared dinner, like very healthy meals for him. And then he was like, I need to make a salad. I was like, what? What's wrong with you? And he's like, my mom, my grandma, Elsie, said you always have to eat leafy greens once a day. And oh he God, I love that. did it. He made himself a leafy green salad every night with like old kale that he found in my fridge. <laughs> but then it kind of just really inspired me. And I was like, you know what? I should be eating more vegetables. So I'm trying to eat greens at least once a day, whether it's cooked in with something or a smoothie or salad. So there you go. A little intention brought to you by Jim Spencer, my dad. So are are those your intentions for this week? I just wrote them down. I was, I was, I've also been watching, rewatching Sex in the City, which I have found very soothing. So soothing. So I just was like, you know what? I'm going to make a list of things I really feel like will make me feel better. So that's like will contribute to my well-being. So that's it's a so big list. I'm not hitting them all, but I felt really excited about that. That's great. Thank you. I love that. Um, you last week set up for yourself that you were not going to stress about food at Disney. For the most part, I didn't stress about food at Disney. Was there were there times where you kind of did? There was one time where I got like irrationally angry at Matt for not um adequately informing me that the dinner we were we had reservations for was like a quote-unquote fancy dinner at one of like the nice restaurants at disney and so when i had a cream cheese pretzel like (laughs) two hours before dinner and had the whole thing i was like why didn't you tell me we were having a nice dinner i just ruined my appetite and like got like really upset like in a way that was not called for Okay, it happens. Um, so yeah. So tell was... me more about what a cream cheese pretzel is. Oh, they have them at Disneyland too. They are very good. They are one of my top Disney uh food items. Is it a stuffed pretzel? Correct. Oh my god. With cream cheese. It's very good. I actually think the ones at Disneyland are better than the ones at Disney World. I need to like go back to Disneyland but, today. Yeah, I can't believe you never had one. They're really they actually don't sell them at every cart. They also have a jalapeno pretzel. Oh that yum. With I cream cheese too. I love jalapeno cream um, cheese. It might be just be cheese. Mm. I don't get that one. I get the cream cheese one. It's kind of sweet. I really, it's really good. I love the food at Disneyland. Um, Matt and I watched so much, so many YouTube videos of the Disney food blog. Yeah. And we decided that they have bad taste in food. Oh. Like everything that they were like, this is a must try. You tried we it. We tried it. We were, were like, this is vile. <laughs> My friend Amanda Hasaka has a Disney um, food, a Disneyland food Instagram that I will link to on the website that I find very fun to follow and very informative. Mm, 
Yeah. Good to know. Good Rex on there. I bet she's tried the cream cheese pretzel. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so this week, you know, I know I've been mentioning this, but this week I've decided now, like April is here. I need like a real work schedule and I need to stick to it. That's really hard to do. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to succeed. But you have you written it down yet? Have you kind of allotted allotted time? For I, have, I have I have a proposed schedule written down. And I'm going to I'm going to try to implement it next week. It's tough because like people will be like, can we have a call at blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, sure, I don't have anything. But it's like I actually should have that time set aside for work. I'm going to try this too, Dory. Great. That's a, good, that's a good plan. Yeah. So that's that's that. That's my that's my intention for the week. I love it. Oh, well, Dory, another podcast has come to an end. Another one in the books. Another one in the books. Yeah. It was great to see you. It was great to see you too. Um, should we just kick off this little outro? Yeah, let's do it. Here it is. Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Kate Spencer and Dory Shafrir and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Please leave us Apple podcast reviews. It helps people find our show. And Kate, you know who we're talking to next week? Well, I should say, you know who I talk to? Oh, I do. Who I love. Yeah. Uh, I interviewed my sister. I'm so excited. And I think it's a great interview. We talk a lot about being sisters. We also, she's a lawyer. We have very different lives. And I, I think it's really nice. So I hope you all will enjoy it as well. Dory's sister, Karen. Yeah. Next week. Get ready. <laughs>